Hello, hello. Welcome to the Drupal 7 End of Life podcast. We're back. And Chris is back. Welcome back, Chris. Yo, hey, what's happening? Chris Free has been on sabbatical and we have missed him not just on the podcast, but at Chromatic too. So we're super excited. It's good to be back, dude. Three months is a long time and also it goes really fast. I'm super thankful to you and everyone else at Chromatic for letting me take a break. It was much needed. I feel refreshed, renewed, restored, reinvigorated, all the re's. Yeah, I'm kind of excited to get back into this podcast game. We kicked this thing off a few months ago, and then I had to take a leave. So I'm back. Let's do it. Let's talk about some Did Drupal 7 Did you keep stuff. up with all the Drupal 7 news while you were on sabbatical? I'm sure, right? Yeah, I mean, I was just glued to Drupal 7 stuff. <laughs> no, I was, of course, I was, t- you know, it's the first year in since DrupalCon Chicago that I wasn't at DrupalCon North America. So that was very strange and odd. The, the annual pilgrimage to get to hang out with all our friends and all the other agencies and the ICs out there that we've gotten to know over the years. That's like one of the favorite bits for me about being in a part of this community. And of course, keeping up with the technology and networking and all that kind of stuff with potential clients and our partners, at all of it. But it was just really odd to not be there and then to see like your Instagram and stuff and be like, dang, they're eating all that good food. And hanging out with all those cool, interesting people. It was, the, it was the box lunches that I'm sure you missed. I do miss the box lunches that we always skip. <laughs> <laughs> no offense, Drupal Association, you're doing your best. It's a tight budget. We get it. Uh, but no, it's really good to be back. Thanks for the time off. I did keep abreast of what's been going on. There's, I think there's some interesting bits to talk about today. I wouldn't say that I've been hung up, but I had some questions for you about module support, contrib module support, now that Drupal 7's end of life has been fixed it is final it is january 2025 but there's some odds and ends between here and there that some of the nuance i wasn't totally keen on or not keen but just didn't really understand frankly so we thought it would be worthwhile to kind of go through some of that as it pertains to contrib modules and how their status may change and how those still running drupal 7 sites with important contrib modules might be at risk or affected and then maybe we can peel apart some of the like questions that are as yet unanswered or at least unanswered in our eyes. Yeah, I think that's a great idea, especially because while we have until January 2025 now, until Drupal 7 is officially end of life, there are some changes that are now, as of now, we are recording mid-August, and some of these changes are already in effect for contrib modules. So let me read from the announcement. A couple sentences here, and then we can pick it apart. Beginning August 1st, 2023, once the Drupal 7 branch of a contributed module or theme is marked unsupported, it will not be eligible for new maintainership and will not be marked supported again. This will be true if an existing maintainer marks the module or theme unsupported, or if the security team marks it unsupported for lack of response. If there are Drupal 7 modules or themes that you or your clients rely on, then we strongly encourage you to adopt these projects proactively. Maybe start in reverse order. Adopt these projects. What does that mean? So what they're trying to get across there is being a maintainer or co-maintainer of a project. At that, If you are a maintainer of the project, you have taken some level of responsibility, you have administrative access to that project on Drupal.org, you can make commits, you can create releases, basically all those things that you couldn't 
do just as a normal user on Drupal.org. As a normal user, unauthenticated user, you can create issues for a project, create merge requests, post patches, things like that. But maintainers can actually make commits and releases, edit the project page, things like that. So that's what they're talking about when they are referencing adopting a project. Well, I think there's another bit in there that you educated me on pre-show, which was that when there is a security issue posted about a particular vulnerability that affects a contrib module, normally that it happens behind closed doors. There is a separate channel forum. There's a place where those discussions can happen in outside of the eyes of the public in a private scenario so that they can be mitigated and Drupal's security team can work with the module maintainer to get it patched before the public knows about it. So, so as to limit any impact, right? Yes. So when you submit a security issue to the security team, so this doesn't always end up happening this way, but the, the right way to do it is let's say you, someone discovers a security issue for Drupal core or a contributed module. The best practice is not to submit that in the public issue queue. The best practice is to submit that to the security team. That goes into a, a security team issue queue on security.drupal.org. And that issue queue is only visible to the security team by default. So you submit that and it kind of goes into a black box. They triage it. And then based on that you know, review of, of the bug submission, they then grant access to that individual issue. So let's say you are the maintainer of a module, someone submits a security bug for your module to the security team, they triage that, and then they'll grant you access just to that issue in the security team's issue queue. So suddenly you'll get a notification, an email, it'll say, hey, you've been granted access to the security issue. You go there and log in with your drupal.org username and password. And then you can see this issue with the original report and any conversations that have happened so far. And then they ask for your collaboration in creating a patch, resolving the issue, ideas on you know sharing ideas about how you might solve it if you're not sure. Uh, they coordinate with you on the process for actually releasing that change along with a security advisory at the same time. So this is kind of, you kind of bump into this sometimes if you're a maintainer. When you're creating a release, you create a tag, you go to create a release on drupal.org, and there's three checkboxes. It says, is this a bug fix? Is this new features? Or is this a security fix? If you click that security fix checkbox, there's some help text that comes up and is like, whoa, 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 have you coordinated with the security team uh, for a security advisory and all that stuff? So you might have seen that if you're a maintainer and, and you hadn't gone through this process before, you might have been exposed to to the documentation about it that way. Thanks for that summary. The takeaway here is some percentage of Drupal 7 modules are going to be unsupported in the timeline between now and January 5th, at which point, once they're marked as unsupported, there is no going back. So the association is encouraging the community. If you rely on a module and it's core to your business or you're worried about it or you have the ability to contribute, please raise your hand and offer to help because there are many module maintainers who either don't have the time or have moved on to other things or have left the Drupal community altogether. And there are modules are still being used. 
and they need maintainership between now and you know January 25th and potentially beyond. But right. once a module that is hosted on Drupal.org is marked as unsupported, there is no going back. So they will not that's, read. That's the change, right? And yeah. I think it's useful to describe how things were before. Yeah, yeah. So right. when we just described the security process, when someone submits an issue and they take that step to reach out to the module maintainers, grant them access. Let's say there's a scenario where it's a module that has essentially been abandoned. And for whatever reason, no, there's many reasons why a project might be abandoned. So they reach out, they get no response from the maintainers. At a certain point, they're left to say, okay, well, we have this verified security issue. No one is responding. We can no longer say that this module is supported by a maintainer and supported by the security team. So they will mark that module as unsupported. Before, let's say that happens today for a Drupal 10 module. For a Drupal 10 module, that might happen. And then you might come along a month later and be like, hey, I want to take this module over. I like this module. I want to support this module. I'll take it over and fix this issue and make it supported. And you can go to the drupal.org webmaster issue queue and request maintainership. They're not going to do that for Drupal 7 modules anymore now that it's past August 1st. They're basically saying, we're not going to spend time on that if a module gets to an unsupported state via the process we just described. We're not going to go back and forth with people and, and entertain making it supported again and then unsupported in the future. So they're just saying once it goes unsupported, it's unsupported and it can't get back into the quote unquote supported state and being covered by the security team and that type of thing. Does that track for you? Sure does. So tease out the nuance there. I think why this is important to people is if you have a number, uh, you know, any Drupal 7 contrib modules on your Drupal 7 site, which I would venture to say is nearly everyone. If it so happens that one of these becomes unsupported, then you're no longer going to have the backing of the security team, them looking at vulnerabilities. It would be in, you know, your best interest. Certainly it would be in my best interest if, if I relied on certain Drupal 7 modules, I would want to make sure that this was not going to happen. I want to have the security team reviewing vulnerabilities and have people know that the module is in a supported state. So the idea is to proactively become a maintainer for one of these modules or a co-maintainer. We worked through this and talked about it and, and kind of came up with a process for identifying and validating this against the modules on your site. Because I think for a lot of people, pulling up your site, you're looking at your update status page or your module page and looking at all the enabled modules, there's a lot there probably. And how do you know? And it's not super easy to figure this out. Does this feel like a good moment to, to go through those steps, Chris? Yeah, I think so. I'm just, from my perspective and the folks that I talk to being more on the sales side, I can see, you know, the CTOs of the world, the directors of the world who are running fleets of Drupal 7 sites or even just an individual Drupal 7 site thinking, okay, great, I get it, but where do I start? And right. as you and I started to work through that this morning, pre-show, it became clear that this is a really manual process. And if you don't know where to look, it might be difficult for you to tease out like, am I in trouble? Are all these modules that I use, which say that they're secure currently, they, they show as green on Drupal's status page. 
am I in trouble? Are they going to be unsupported in the future? And there's a bit of a, it's not science, but more art, right? Is that what you'd say? To, to tease that out. So we've put together just a quick, how we would go about this work, sort of checklist or punch list. To, or yeah, and we're going to throw this together into a PDF or something like that and put this on our Drupal 7 end of life landing page. Uh, we'll put that in the show notes. But uh, if you want to find that, that's chromatichq.com slash D7EOL. Um, so you'll be able to find it there. So the first step to limit the scope of this is to remove or disable and install any unused modules. So if you have contrib modules that you maybe enabled at some point, aren't using, disable them. That's going to limit your surface area to begin with. Step two, go to your site's update status page and take a look at all those modules. You'll be able to see what modules have updates pending, but you'll also be able to see if uh, you're running an unsupported version of the module. At this point, for a Drupal 7 module, if it is unsupported, you might be out of luck on that module at this point because you know it's too late, at least for the Drupal security team or the Drupal webmaster team to add new maintainers. But you could go to the issue queue, and if there is an active maintainer for a Drupal 10 version, they could add you as a co-maintainer. But based on the text of this announcement, it seems like the branch would still be left as unsupported. So your mileage may vary there. So once you've seen if there's any that are already marked as unsupported, then you want to go to the drupal.org project page for all the other active modules. And you want to take a look and see if the D7 branch is still supported, when the last commit was, when the last release was. Sometimes you might have a release from a long time ago, but there have been more recent commits. So that shows that there's some activity there happening by a maintainer, which is great. Still could be an opportunity for you to request maintainership and help with a release or releases going forward. But if we're trying to identify where the, our riskiest pieces are, we're looking at you know those D7 branches that haven't had any activity and as far as releases or especially commits in a long time, maybe last year, last 18 months or longer. If there's commits on other branches and releases on other branches, then that's maybe just a medium risk because you could still, you still have an opportunity to get the attention of a maintainer and the security team could get the attention of that maintainer if they needed to and have them commit a security fix. So maybe medium risk there would still be a could be a good idea to request co-maintainership if you're willing to do that. But if there's no commits made in that time frame, 12 months, 18 months, and no releases for any branches, Drupal 10, Drupal 9, Drupal 8, or you know Drupal 7, then that's the high risk. I would say that's the highest risk scenario. Now you've got a module that there's no activity happening, maintainer activity. There might still be people in the issue queue, you know, posting patches or fixes. But if those aren't getting committed and releases aren't getting made, then it could be abandoned. And so that's certainly an, uh, a module where the risk is high. It would be, in my opinion, very worthwhile to request maintainership so that you can have some control, have some input on the you know near-term future of that module. I think you explained it pretty well. The bit that I was trying to tease out around it's more art than science is you're alluding to it, which is there's all these signals that a project page can give you, but there isn't a signal right now that says this is a D7 module that might be unsupported in the future. So you might want to 
hop in the issue queue and request maintainership. That doesn't exist. You have to sort of read the tea leaves of a Drupal module project page, which like, has anybody done anything for Drupal 7 in a while? Any commits on the Drupal 7 branch? When was the last release? In general, is this module being maintained for modern Drupal? How many maintainers are there? Basically, what is the status of this via a bunch of different signals? And then decide. I guess combine that too with your own level of risk. Like there's different, there's a wide variety of modules that you can install on a Drupal site. Some that are very superficial and maybe just do something. Uh, I'm thinking about the, my first module that I released on Drupal.org some many years ago, Webform Hints, which was a tiny little module that would allow you to turn on placeholder text on Webform fields because pre-HTML5, that was uh, something you had to shim into your page with JavaScript. So I, I had whipped that up. Well, there's a little bit of JavaScript, so it might have some security issues, but that's pretty low risk. There's not that much happening there. And if I turned it off, like no big deal. I might, my feet, my front end loses uh, some features, but there's not a material impact. You can still submit all the web form. And then the other end of the scale, there's like views or views bulk operations or organic groups, like modules that end up being core to a user experience or core to some features or a site just can't run without. And that level of risk, it goes through the roof, not only because it's so core to the product or the website, but it's so, uh, there's so many parts to it that touch parts of Drupal or your database or whatever that are potentially exploitable and would be very dangerous if they were exploited. So that's another one of those signals um, that you have to take into consideration, right? Yeah. And I think one of the bits you mentioned it, you know, looking at these signals on the project page, it's kind of, and even the announcement from the security team about this, you know, ask people to be proactive about this. There's a reason for that because by its nature, for very good reasons, those security issues, when they get reported, they go, they're private. They're not announced before there is a fix made. And that's by design. But because of that, there's also not a warning on the page ahead of time that says like, hey, the security team is going to make this mark this module unsupported soon if nobody does anything, because that would tell people, hey, there's a security issue. There might be folks who, you know, take that as a signal to go off to the races as far as trying to take advantage of that vulnerability. So there is a bit here where you're reading the tea leaves a little bit or, or being proactive so you don't, you know, need to get to that point and so that you're able to make those fixes, keep the module supported through Drupal 7's end of life in January, 2025. Yeah, I think it, uh, I, I know I wasn't on the episode where you and Dave discussed the announcement um, and the extension of life, but the firm that this is the last extension, this is the final extension, but I do think they made the right decision in hindsight. There's just so many things that need to get addressed and the community has not yet sort of gotten over the hill on how do we, what do we do? And we've been saying all along on this podcast and the webinar that we put together, all that kind of stuff, that there are a lot of options to get off of Drupal 7 onto something more secure, long-term support. Um, and here's a perfect example of why that decision was difficult and why they extended it. Yep. So if I'm somebody who's running a Drupal 7 site or a fleet of Drupal 7 sites, I've got more information now and more runway on to, to get off and do something about it. So now's the time to be like planning that. And just today, the Drupal Association launched on Drupal.org its own sort of landing page for 
options and resources. And thank you to the association for linking to our podcast. We had nothing to do with that. And that's great to see. It's our hope that with this podcast, we can help folks out. And, um, you know, if there's more that comes of that, great. But if not, if we're just helping the community be more informed with what to do in this scenario, that's just one way that we can contribute back. So really good to see that. Ultimately, I think they made the right choice and it gives the community a lot more time to, to build the tools to help move from Drupal 7, to give you runway to do these migrations. They're in many cases not going to be small. If you have a bigger site, they're going to be large and major refactors. And we've talked about some of the other tools, so I'm, I'm glad to see it. All right, first one back. I feel Welcome like I did back. okay. <laughs> Welcome back to everyone else from, from whatever your summer uh, adventures were. And we will be speaking with you again soon.